0: It is Independence Day weekend, and we are going to be celebrating the 4th of July tomorrow, a time where we celebrate our freedom as a nation. And so to stick with that theme, today I'm going to be talking about the freedom that we can have in Christ, which is a spiritual freedom available for anyone who believes in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And so since we've been going through the parables of Jesus, I found a parable that Jesus tells that really shows us how freedom works, where freedom comes from, and what we need to be aware of when it comes to freedom. So the passage of scripture we're going to look at today is in Matthew chapter 18, and it starts in verse 21, where Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, comes and asks him a question. So it says that Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. Now in this story, you have a king, and you have someone who serves that king. And this servant, because he owed that king a debt, was being threatened with him and his family being sold off in order to pay for that debt that he had accrued. And so you have a man here that originally had freedom, but finding himself at the threat of being put into, into prison, at the threat of losing that freedom because he had accrued a debt. So we see through this parable the potential for someone to lose the freedom that they have. And when we look at this in a spiritual sense, we see that exact same thing, that mankind, all of people, were originally made to be perfect. That's what Adam and Eve were intended to be in the garden. But because of their sin, they lost what had been given to them. That freedom that was lost because of a debt that was owed. And it's important for us to remember that each and every one of us, because of the sin that is in our life, have ended up owing God a spiritual debt because of that sin. Now, thankfully, when we believe in Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made to pay the price of that sin, that debt gets covered. But just because a debt is paid doesn't mean that it never existed in the first place. And it's important for us to remember that so that when we have been forgiven of our sins, that we don't somehow think that that puts us at a higher level than those who have not had their sin forgiven. Yes, it gives us citizenship in heaven with God, but it doesn't inherently make us a better person because we had that same kind of debt that they did. The only difference is that one has been forgiven and one has not. I was very lucky to be able to uh, finish paying off my student loans a couple months ago. And it was a wonderful celebration that my wife and I had over it. But just because my student loans have been paid for doesn't mean that I went my whole life being debt free. And it's certainly not something that I could lord over people who do still have debt that they are dealing with and somehow say, well, I don't have debt and you do. So that makes me a better person than you. That's not the case at all. Just because I no longer have that debt now doesn't mean that it was never there to begin with. And I need to remember that so I can continue to show mercy and understanding to those who still deal with that. And in a spiritual sense, the same thing applies to us as believers. That just because our debt has been forgiven doesn't mean that we never had it in the first place. And so we want to remember that we had a debt too in order to keep us sympathetic and humble. Now thankfully, just like in the servant in this story, his debt didn't have to stay with him. And when we see him beg with his master to not sell off his family... That the master forgives that debt, reestablishing freedom for him and his family. And the servant didn't pay off that debt. He didn't do the work to pay off that debt. Rather, the master had mercy and compassion on him and gave him that cancellation. And it's very much the same in our spiritual life. That the freedom we have from the price of our sin is not something we work for, it's something that God gives to us as a gift. In fact, Scripture even refers to it as a gift. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So just like the servant in this parable It's not that he did something or was a nice enough of a person that it earned him his freedom once again, but rather it was the master's merciful, loving, compassionate nature that drove him to give to his servant a gift that he didn't deserve, a gift of love, of allowing him and his family to remain free. And that's exactly what God did for the whole world through sending his son, through letting Jesus be born and die, even though he had no sin, to pay that price for our sins, not because we did anything special, but because God loved us so much that he gave us that gift. And when we accept that, we no longer have to pay that price for that sin. We're no longer in bondage to the spiritual debt that we owe to the creator of the universe. That debt has now been paid because our sins are forgiven. And when we do that, when we accept Christ's sacrifice and accept him not only as our savior, but as our Lord as well, then not only are our past sins forgiven, but God also promises us Triumph over sin. He lets us have his power to overcome the temptations that we face today. So, not only is it a covering for all the mistakes that we've made in the past, but it's also a promise that sin will no longer have that hold over us anymore. We are no longer slaves to our own sinful and selfish desires. But through the power of Christ, we can overcome those things. And what a wonderful gift that is, especially as we keep in our minds remembering that debt that we did owe, that we now no longer owe. That we were once slaves to our sinful desires, but now we have freedom in Christ. And that is something that we should always be thankful for, always recognizing of that and never take that for granted. Because when we do take that for granted, or we think that we've somehow earned it, or that we've somehow moved past that and are in a whole nother phase of our life, and we no longer really need that from God, or maybe that we've been given it from God and somehow that makes us better than other people, when we allow ourselves to forget where we've come from and what God has done for us in the state where we were at, when we leave that behind, it moves us into a very dangerous place, which is what we see happen with this servant. That although his great debt was forgiven, that he then goes to this fellow servant that that owes him money. It says that the first servant owed the king 10,000 bags of gold, and that was forgiven, and that this other servant, this fellow servant, only owed a 100 silver coins. And yet when this servant, who had just had all of that debt forgiven, sees this other servant, he immediately goes and begins choking him, demanding that he pays back what is owed. And the second servant does exactly what the first servant did, of begging for mercy, for a much smaller debt. And the first servant refuses to do so. And so what we see happening there is that first servant places upon the second servant, upon his fellow servant, a higher bar and a heavier load than what he had to bear. And so he takes what he has been given and skews it, making it inconsistent as he applies it to his fellow man. And that is not the way that God's freedom works. See, spiritual freedom is designed to be given equally that it's the same for each and every person, and that the requirement for one person to receive salvation and freedom in Christ, to receive that forgiveness for their debt of sin, that the requirement is no different than it is for any other person. Because God desires for everyone to receive that free gift of salvation that he is offering to them. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God doesn't want anyone to perish. It doesn't matter what kind of life they've had whether their sin was gossiping, or whether their sin was murder, whether their sin was lying, or whether their sin was adultery. It doesn't matter what their sin is, what kind of life they had, what they look like, whether they're old or young, where they were born. None of that matters to God in the sense that none of it disqualifies someone from receiving that gift of salvation from God, and it doesn't require anything more to receive that than anyone else because God wants everyone to come to repentance. And that repentance is an understanding that God has established what is right and what is wrong and to realize that because of our sinful nature, those selfish desires, we act against God's will, we do things that we know are wrong, And we recognize that that's wrong. And we simply believe in who God is, recognize that we have done wrong, and believe that Jesus died to pay the price for that sin and simply accept that price that has already been paid. And that is what is required for everyone, no matter who they are or what kind of life they've had. It is an equal requirement with an equal reward that comes with that repentance. That is the fairness of the God that we serve. And God has made it so this salvation and this freedom is granted through his mercy in a consistent manner. And as followers of Christ... We want to make sure that we do that same thing. That we don't make the price of forgiveness inconsistent. That we don't place on others some kind of higher requirement that they have to meet that we didn't have to. That we who have freely received salvation from God when we repented offer that same forgiveness for anyone else who also repents. And no other qualifications matter. Just repentance that leads to salvation and forgiveness. And then we see what happens when this servant didn't do that. When he tried to place a higher bar on his fellow man than what he was shown by his king and his master. When he refused to to grant mercy, what happens was the king finds out and he takes away that freedom that he had granted to the first servant and he hands him over to the jailer. And so we see that by refusing to grant mercy to others, mercy was taken away from him. And it's so clear to see in this parable the strong connection between spiritual freedom and this idea of forgiveness, this principle of forgiveness. You cannot have one without the other. We cannot have spiritual freedom in our life without the forgiveness of God. And not only that forgiveness that God gives to us, but also being willing to show that same forgiveness to other people as well. Because as we apply that standard to others, in that same level, that same regard, God will apply it to us. Because God always keeps it consistent. And you can't change the requirements that someone has to show in order to receive mercy and forgiveness without also changing it to be applied to yourself as well. Let's use an analogy that everybody's been talking about recently, which is gas prices. I know, it's probably your favorite subject at this point. Everybody loves talking about the rising gas prices. Which is absolutely not the case, of course. Because everybody hates the gas prices. They're going up, they're high, gas is expensive, we don't like it. And we always say that we don't like it because of how it affects us, don't we? And what we don't Find people doing is saying boy i'm so glad those gas prices are going up because that person that i don't like now has to pay more money to fill up their car i am so glad those prices are going up and i just hope they keep going up because the more they go up the more those people i don't like have to pay to put gas in their car we don't say that Because the more it goes up, the higher it gets, the more we have to pay as well. And if you had control of the prices, you wouldn't put the prices up to affect people you don't like because you know that it would affect you and the people that you care about as well. And yet we try to do this with the requirements of forgiveness. And say, well, in order for me to forgive that person... I'm not going to forgive them unless they do this and this and this and this. And then maybe I'll forgive them. Aren't you glad God doesn't treat you that way? That all God requires us to do to receive his forgiveness is to repent of our sins. And God says that's all that we should require others to do as well that we don't hold them in a spiritual bondage until they jump through all of these different hoops to appease us. But as soon as we recognize that they are sorry for what they have done and that they repent of that, that they aren't going to continue to do that because they know that it's wrong, they see what they have done was wrong, and they repent, that that's all we require to show them mercy and to let go of that bondage that we're holding them in. And we can't change that standard without the standard being changed for us as well. And so if we want to continue to walk in the freedom of Christ that God has given to us, we cannot walk in that freedom while simultaneously withholding mercy from others. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 2, In the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so, if we want to walk in the freedom of Christ, if we want to have the spiritual freedom that is being offered to us, all that's required of us is that we repent for our sins. And offer that same mercy that God is showing us, show that to others as well. Which leads me with the question that I want to leave you with today. Which is, do you extend to others the freedom that comes from mercy? Do you show to others the mercy that God has shown to you that has freed you from that captivity and bondage of sin and into a new freedom through Jesus Christ. The measure that God has used on you is it the same measure that you apply to others. Do you extend that mercy and the freedom to others that comes through that mercy? And that is today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you to share this with other people to help get the message out there. But until next time, I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you for taking the time to listen.